it's along that product market fit. You've got to get out there and take advantage of every introduction that you can get and to talk to those potential customers or those potential, uh, you know, they may, not, they may not actually be a customer. They just may be someone who knows something about that domain or has tried it before or has seen these things happen before or a competitor even, but get out there and take advantage of every introduction you can get to have those talks and learn from them. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just uh, reach out to us by going to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, and it's Vance, and is it Raviv? Raviv. Raviv. Close, but no, not quite, but close. Just look great, right. right? Make it easy. <laughs> That's right. So Vance uh, started out uh, his life with a goal that he wanted to be prime minister. Didn't quite, hasn't made it there yet, but that was yeah. his initial goal. Um, went to went to school or went to university, um, got a political science degree and, uh, and a master's, I think, in public administration, if I'm not wrong. Worked for the Treasury Department, um, was doing everything in print, uh, caught, or, and then he kind of found his first love with technology. And so from that, started his own, or his first business as a startup, um, went to that, I think it was with web design and development and it was at the height of the tech boom sold that uh, business off timing was good at the height of the tech boom and then continued to work in uh, the tech consulting and i think it was banking and travel for a period of time did another startup um with a, a different or with a business partner sold that off after seven years went back to consulting did another startup took a break then went into creating an app which is i think evolved into the the junction ia that you're doing now today so um with that much as introduction welcome on the podcast vance Great. Thank you very much. Great intro. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here today. Absolutely. So excited to have you on. So I kind of gave a briefer, uh, you know, brief overview of your, um, of your journey, but now take us back and back a, a bit in time to when you originally wanted to be the prime minister and how your uh, journey started from there. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've always been fascinated by business and politics. And it's, it's one of those things I'm just addicted to, to what's happening in the political world around us all the time. And what's, you know, where things are going and the trends that are, trends that are part of that. And, um, uh, you know, so I, I always saw myself as being that, that politician. And, um, but as I, I guess, I guess, moved towards that career part of your life, I started realizing that I enjoyed being on the, the, the back end of things a little bit more and understanding and working in policy areas, things that made a difference and um, or I felt made, you know, could make a difference, very tangible, very practical things. And that that actually carried over. I think that's probably sort of an ethos that drives me, because as I got introduced into technology world, again, that same sort of like, well, what difference can I make? Like, can I have a practical, impactful, relatively quick difference on people's lives their work lives in that case? Um, that sort of that sort of followed me along from the from the political arena into the digital technical arena. So now and, and now going and we'll get to the technical arena in just a minute. But you did you know you went all the way through school. You got an undergraduate. You got a master's, and you went to work for the treasury. So you were at least kind of getting into that politics realm and doing that. And you did that for a period of time. Now what was the point where I said, okay, although I've always wanted to get into politics, or I want to be prime minister. I'm going to switch to me in tech instead. Was it just kind of happenstance? Was it, hey, I saw a good opportunity? Or kind of how did you make that transition from where you originally were setting off to do with the, what you got with your degree to what you were doing as far as business? 
I, I think the driver was the project I was on at the time. We were looking at, you know, we were printing just reams and reams of paper and books and stats and information about government, you know, progress and policies and spending and budgets and all these sorts of things. And there's all this talk of innovation and talk of change. And we were certainly innovative for, for what we were doing at that time. But I guess I just had an enormous impatience because I could see how the whole digital economy was rolling out at that time and the immediacy of things. And I didn't want to spend years in a project to get digital. I wanted to go and be digital now. I didn't mm -hmm. want to you know, have endless meetings about how we'd get there. I actually wanted to do it. I wanted to be on it. So um, I, you know, I did some retraining at that point, but I realized my, my skill sets that I'd learned from being at Treasury and certainly in the university was that ability to, to um, you know, really understand things and get a way of getting around things quickly and understanding things quickly and then to organizing those, you know, those approaches. So it lended, my, it lended, I guess, to becoming a project manager in that way. And um, with that really quickly, I kind of found my fitting that as a project manager, I could translate sort of the needs and wants of the client or the, you know, the end user with what was, you know, the, the, the people building or creating or the doers of it. And I really, really enjoyed that space. And, and that's what I guess triggered me to go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to love being in the digital world because things happen quick, number one. Uh, you can see the results really quick, you know, quickly, but also there's a need for that person that can play that bridge, that can talk the technology role, but also translate that to the, the business people that need to use this technology and, and get ahead with it or find ways to, you know, improve their processes, save some money, improve their revenue, whatever it is. And that, that's sort of just how, that's how it evolved from that point. Mm, no, it definitely makes sense. So now as you get into that and say, okay, I want to be the one that's building technology, have the impact, be able to do that, as opposed to kind of waiting for others to do it if they ever do. And is if it's, if it's anything like the U.S., to be able to get anything done in government takes 20 times longer than what if you do it privately or do it yourself, you know, private industry. So you decided to do that for a period of time, you know, as you get into technology and start to kind of work that out, what was the kind of the first business you got into? I think you said it was web design and the development yep. and those type of things. Yeah. So I'd moved to um, Wellington, New Zealand. I'd been an exchange student in New Zealand when I was a kid at 15 for a year and um, I loved it and I knew I wanted to go back. And so I just saw an opportunity when I got there. I had a lot of friends and contacts there. And so uh, a business partner and I, or a friend of mine and I, we, we became business partners. Um, she had already been working in the web industry. I had as well in some contracting. And we thought, you know, we want to create a web design and development company to help businesses, you know, get their products online and, and, and do all that wonderful things that they can do with those e-commerce sites and engagement sites and with government clients and things like that as well. Um, and, you know, it was just, uh, you know, she was, a, she was an expert in the internet and a leading figure at that time as well. And I came with my project management and business background. And it was a really good marriage from that point of view and, and getting a business up and going fast. No, and that definitely makes sense. So now you get, you know, you, so you figure that out, you kind of say, hey, I want to be in technology, I want to be able to figure it out. I want to be kind of part of it and be able to build it. You build up the business and you do that for a period of time. And then what kind of, you know, and that, you see, that was kind of up to the point of the, the, the height of the, the tech boom or, you know, before the bubble burst, so to speak. As you did that, you know, how did you then decide, what made you decide to sell and kind of how did you, what did you do after you sold? I think, you know, there was a couple of triggers on the time to sell. Like we were very young, you know, we were in our 20s and, you know, that whole thing. You think you know everything then and, uh, you know, you know, you, you know, there's something you can learn, but you, you, you've got a lot of moxie and confidence then and you think, you know, so. Uh, we realized quite quickly as we were growing um, and we grew really fast, um, we were getting these offers from consulting companies that were trying to move in this area. And so we did take advantage of that because 
you know, for both of us at that age, we could see our lives were going to go in different directions and, and that, it, you know, it, it just was a good opportunity to take us up to that next level, you know, get money, obviously the sale, you know, gave us both um, some money and, and that would free up options for you in life to do what you want to do next. And um, that really, I guess, resonated for both of us. So uh, we took advantage of that. And, um, you know, and also we could see where the technology was going. We knew we needed um, to have uh, a stronger and bigger back um, office function, you know, more developers, and you either have to go out there and get a lot of investment to make those investments, and then, you know, they pay off as you get those new clients, um, or, you know, you, you have to bootstrap it the whole way or stay small, and I, I think at that point, we didn't really know how to get big at that time, and, and there's a bit of an art to that, right, and you know, so we didn't really know how to scale at that time, we didn't really know how to get investors in, or, you know, sell part of the company for, you know, promissory notes or investment, whatever it is these days that we, is so easy, but then it wasn't as clear and as common. So we didn't, I don't think we knew how to scale and make it big. So it just was good timing. No, it definitely makes sense. You know, and that's always, you know, when it's always in the timing of, Hey, you've reached to a point. And a lot of times with a business, a lot of times you'll, you'll reach to a point where, Hey, we've kind of built this and we're hitting a bit of that, the glass ceiling type of a thing where we, you know, we've kind of, there's different individuals. It's interesting to kind of look and study businesses that some people are, mentor wired or geared towards doing the startup and small business and figuring it out and getting it up and going and doing it but aren't necessarily don't it's not the same skill set as really growing the business into a huge thing and some people can do both some people love both some people are saying hey i just really love the small the small side of the small business and so i'm not going to work or i don't want to get into that having to deal with you know or hundreds or you know tens or hundreds of employees and doing a big business I just like the small kind of figuring out aspect so definitely makes sense and so now as you sold the business as you're saying okay we sold it off and we're transitioning I think you went into consulting for a period of time you know what made you go into consulting as opposed to doing your own business or you know but starting a new business or something of that nature I, I, the, the drive for the consulting side was really wanting to do deep dives in a variety of different sectors and see how they were using innovate, you know, innovative technologies to transform their businesses. So I was really interested in where banking was going because obviously they've been a leader in you know, online banking and I wanted to be part of that. So I worked at a, a major bank, uh, traveled the same thing. I mean, there was so much change happening there um, with, uh, you know, with all of that moving online and that taking over the traditional role of the agents. So again, I wanted to get my feet wet there and government as well. I mean, the big spenders in technology and again, you know, my government background, you know, that touches everybody's lives. And then the more that's digitized, you know, renewing your license online or getting those permits online or whatever it is, those sorts of things. I wanted to really dig deep and, and learn the ropes on all of those areas. So I had some strong sectoral understandings of, of what, the, you know, what the, what the needs, what the product is, you know, how to make a product fit for those markets. And so that consulting was really valuable for me. And then, you know, I went on with my a new business partner at that time to um, then create a web hosting company mm. and um, specialize in, in hosting, you know, high volume transactions and e-commerce sites and high volume engagement sites and things like that, that just, you know, that immediacy and speed was so important. All right. No, it definitely makes sense. And so now you, you do that, you know, do that consulting gig for a period of time and, you know, or kind of go down that route. Now, as you kind of transition into doing another startup, what made you decide to, you know, move back away from consulting or otherwise say, Hey, I want to go do another startup. Or was it, Hey, had a great idea or somebody approached you or you were kind of getting that itch again, or kind of, how did you decide, okay, now that I've taken a break, so to speak, done consulting, you know, step back from a startup life. Now I'm going to get back into it and kind of, cause you did that a, a few different times, right? Yeah. Three different times. Yeah. 
Yeah, every time I have this little retirement period after or whatever. And the, the third one, I had a fairly significant retirement period after I you know, moved to Latin America um, while I was selling the business or while we were selling the business and then spent some time you know, living in Costa Rica and just sort of enjoying a retired life. But every time I do this, this process, I find I get bored really quick. I mean, I'm always fascinated by what's happening. So I just need to be busy. I need a project. I got something that I got to get my, you know, sink my teeth in and get going on. And, um, you know, so I did some work and, you know, I built some houses and sold houses, you know, I thought I got to try that. So, but of course, technology called me and uh, I had some ideas that I'd formulated and that led to, you know, um, what Junction AI is today. And I, I know I'm fascinated by data because as we all know, you know, the growth in data and, and how it affects every, every system now and every technology implementation and, and how it works. And, you know, the, the, it just seemed to be an area where um, I could see a really big difference could be made. And it was just interesting. I found it fascinating and interesting. I mean, all the way back in university, I remember doing those stats courses where you, you know, you're analyzing data and trying to figure out the connection between whatever and this. And I enjoyed it then, but I didn't realize that, you know, 20 years later, wow, I wish I would have paid a lot more attention and probably done some more advanced courses in that. <laughs> so I just went in for the practical reasons. I thought, you know what, I'll do some online stuff, but I'm just going to get in there myself and get really practical about this and learn about data. And um, so Junction AI really did start uh, as an app before that. That was a, a B2B2C app for marketers. Um, that was about you know looking at data and how we can use data to understand everybody's personal preferences. You know, if I'm at the corner of Second Street and and Third Avenue or whatever it is, I want to know that the stuff being marketed to me is very specific to what I want to do, care about, want to see, want to engage in. I don't want all the rest of the stuff. And um, we knew that data had the answer for that. And uh, you know, it was just like an addiction. I got going into it, and then Junction AI happened. Well, I didn't go into this with this idea of becoming an AI person. I never even thought of it really. But um, as we looked at this data, we just thought there's a wonderful technology tool, AI. Wow, machine learning. Let's start. Let's start using that and see what we can do. Mm, no, it definitely makes sense. So, so now as you kind of say, okay, we've got you know an idea. I think you know having more specific marketing or intelligent marketing and kind of based on the individual and maybe where they're located or what their preferences are and kind of taking you know that targeting to the next level in a good way in the sense of rather than just blasting people with a whole bunch of ads that they're not going to care about or that aren't relevant to them or you know that aren't going to have that return to make it a more specific or tailored experience to each individual so you get that going and as you kind of you know figure that out how was it that um you know as far as getting the company up and going having done a couple startups and selling them and doing consulting and doing other startup and that doing this last round has it been one where it's been easy and it's been a hockey stick right straight up or has it been kind of back and forth and up and down and figuring it out and pivoting or kind of how's it gone you know um i it's a bit of both because this is the first time i've gone into it with the idea that i would you know bring investors into this company the other ones uh, they were bootstrapped and self-funded and approached it that way this one i knew i wanted to move a lot faster i knew that you know looking at the data world and the ai world especially these these are things that take a little bit more effort uh, especially with a SaaS product like we are you do need to um, invest more up front because all your costs are up front uh, and you, you know, it's, it's hard to bootstrap that you have to, you have to build that product up before you can start selling any access to it. And mm. so this one was a different one. It was one where I had to go back to almost school in that sense and learn, well, how do I go get investors? Uh, how do, how do I make myself into that brand and that company that investors will want to jump in and be part of? And at the same time, build a product that customers want to buy and, you know, and engage with. So, um, 
I did a, you know, we did a, a, an accelerator called Blue Startups um, in Hawaii. And I know it's, it's just a horrible place to go do business and learn about business. <laughs> oh, right? terrible. Yeah. Who would want to do that? Everyone felt so sorry for me spending three months in Hawaii at an accelerator. <laughs> but, you know, Blue Startups is a great experience. So I, I learned a lot about, you know, what, what, what do you do when you want to open an investor friendly company? And what, what are the, the basics that you have to set up even in that? Because it's different than when you're, you're doing it a lifestyle or a bootstrap company. And, so that, that was a, a big change for me and a big difference too. And, and learning how to bring that money in and, and then how to spend, you know, to keep running really super lean because we are, but also making those investments count. So, so now you did that and, you know, kind of had a mixture of both. And that kind of brings us a bit up to where you're at today. Where do you see kind of the next six to 12 months going for you? How does, how does that look or where's kind of, what's that direction looking like? Well, I mean, as you know, from your own experience too, product market fit is everything. And um, I've learned a lot about that too. So um, what we've really seen over uh, the last year, especially with the pandemic and the impact, but as we started working with marketers in this data, um, we really saw a lot of opportunity on the prediction side and um, helping marketers get more accessible on demand information. And so that actually changed how we, we approached our business a little bit too. We we realize that there's a lot of value in the data and marketers have more data than just about anybody else in an organization, but they don't have the ability to harness it and make, you know, to use it really quickly. So we started, um, you know, we started more on the idea of the personalization side of things and we tested that out, but we realized quickly that the underlying infrastructure for really good personalization was, well, what's your creative saying for you? Do you know what the audience wants? Like what's in demand? What are their interests? What are their behaviors? And then does your advertising creative even reflect that to engage them in the first place. You know, you're not going to make that e-commerce sale if that image doesn't actually engage your audience. So we, um, we really, you know, we did a bit of a pivot then and that product market fit, we kept working on it. And so really over the next 12, you know, 16 months, we, we see our opportunity mostly to be, you know, growing in that platform sense from the, the product management systems out there, the advertising platforms out there to, you know, integrate straight into them. Of course, we do work directly with brands as well, but, and agencies, but integrate into those platforms so that marketers have those on-demand predictions and insights from the AI as they're doing their work within their workflow. So they're not having to go to an IT department and go, oh, I need to book a data scientist or an analyst for some work. And, you know, three weeks later, they get this person. Like, they need this today. Mm. No, and I think that definitely makes sense. So, well, now is that kind of gives us kind of where you've, where, or how you got to where you're at and then a little bit of where you're headed. It's a good transition to always jump into the last, uh, or a couple of questions I always ask at the end of the podcast. And just as a reminder, before we jump into those, we're also going to talk, uh, do the bonus question where we talk a, a little bit about intellectual property. So for those of you that are interested in hearing that question, make sure to stay tuned after the, the end, or as, after we wrap up the normal podcast. But as we jump to the, the normal, or last couple of questions I asked, first question always is, is along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Um, you know, I, I don't know if there was a worst business decision, but there were decisions I made that weren't informed like they should have been. Or uh, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I guess one of my worst first decisions was um, not, you know, not uh, paying for the professional advice. And this was, you know, again, when I was in my 20s and I didn't know any better, um, you know, a friend of a friend's an accountant or a friend of a friend's a lawyer or whatever it is, right? And you, you do the best you can thinking you're saving money and they're giving you good advice, but you really can't, um, you can't replace getting the proper, you know, professional advice. And it may take you interviewing, like I interviewed lawyer in this latest one, I interviewed a variety of lawyers before I decided which lawyer I wanted to work with. 
uh, and things mm -hmm. like that. So you have to put the time and effort into getting the right advisors and the right people and the right professionals to give you the right advice because it might cost you a little bit up front, but boy, oh boy, that's going to save you a lot of trouble, headaches, and money in the future for the mistakes that you could have made. So I didn't know that back in my 20s. I know now and I know the difference it makes. No, and I definitely agree in the sense that, you know, too often, but it's understandable to start up or small business saying, hey, I don't have the money or I, I can figure this out or I can Google it or I do it myself for any number of reasons. And sometimes, occasionally that's true, but a lot of times what you end up doing is you either get half or, you know, half-baked advice or wrong advice, or you think you, you don't do it how you should. And then you either end up spending more time figuring that out, catching it up, correcting the issues. And if you'd spend a bit more of that time up front to get the expertise, get that information, get that knowledge, it would save you a lot of time in the long run. So exactly. Like, do your own research sense. report. Don't go in there um, dumb. Don't ever go in dumb. Do your research. But yeah, do, do get those professionals involved. All right. I definitely agree with you. So now let's jump to the second question, which is if you're just get, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting to a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, it, it's along that product market fit. You've got to get out there and take advantage of every introduction that you can get and to talk to those potential customers or those potential uh, you know, they may not, they may not actually be a customer. They just may be someone who knows something about that domain or has tried it before or has seen these things happen before or a competitor even, but get out there and take advantage of every introduction you can get to have those talks and learn from them. And you're not going out there to push your solution. You're not going out there to show them a demo. You're there to hear what their challenges are, what they want to do, what would affect their job, what would make their business better, whatever it is, right? You've got to really listen and you, and it's not just once, you don't just go out there and do those interviews or you know, those, those meetings and then think you've, you've nailed it, go build, go start spending money in the tech, whatever it is, right? You have to constantly be out there doing that. And, um, you know, for founders, you, you get a lot of different founders, as I'm sure you know, some are more technical, some are more the business development. We all have our own skill set, but it's really important that all those founders get out there and do those, that, that customer investigation and that research, because it's going to make a big effect. And you can't do any, you can't do everything they're asking you for but you're going to pick up the cues of where your product roadmap needs to go so that you know you're going to have demand when, when, you, when you can afford to deliver that piece of the product or whatever it is. But yeah, spend time in your net, net, networking. You can't replace it. No, and I, I think that that, you know, too often you, you take your network for granted or you don't, you know, you have a lot of resources, a lot of people, you know, and a lot of, you know, people that are, a lot of times people are willing to, you know, provide a bit of, feedback or their help or assistance or lend an ear or give you that. And if you'd only utilize your network and yet too often you're too bashful or shy or think, yeah. Oh, I don't want to bother them or it's going to be an intrusion or it's going to affect our relationship. And most of the time they're saying, yeah, should have reached out. I'm happy to chat with you for a few minutes or help you out. You know, you're spot on there. I've been blown away by the generosity of my network, but then the people they've introduced me to in their networks, everybody has been more than happy to have that coffee or have that phone call or that meeting. And then often a second and third, even though I didn't, you know, I thought, wow, I'm really imposing on them, but no, they've actually been, I, I've been so thankful for the generosity of so many, you know, business people and communities who have helped me and given that time. So get out there and make those connections and listen and learn. We'll definitely agree. Well, awesome. Well, as we wrap up, before we jump to the bonus question, I want to uh, say thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been fun and a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you want to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. Two more things. One, as, an, as a listener, one, if you uh, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. Two, um, also leave us a review so new people can find out about us as well. 
Last but not least, if you ever have any, if you ever need any help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with business, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. So with that, now we get a transition to what I, I know, uh, one of the points I, and I love the whole podcast, but it's always kind of fun. I always am the one that's asking the questions and, you know, talking about your journey. And now it's kind of gets an opportunity to flip the tables a bit and, you know, ask a little bit of, or, or let your, have you ask me a question and uh, or talk a little bit about my area of expertise, which is going to be on the, the patent side. So with that, turn it over to you to ask, what is your uh, top intellectual property question? Yeah, I guess for me, it's really understanding um, how I know, uh, or one, I guess preparing and what do I need to do to, to get to that position where I can go talk to someone like yourself or, you know, an expert in this area, what do they need from me to understand whether there is an IP, you know, uh, opportunity with what I'm doing, like, what am, what am I, what am I potentially patenting or what can I patent and what do I need to have, like what documentation or diagrams, like, what is it I can do at the very beginning or as I'm in this product journey and development journey to start building up that corpus of information. So when I do talk to an expert like yourself, they can look at this and go, yeah, you do have opportunity or there's value in this, or yeah, you can pitch this to your investors as a patentable opportunity. So how do I prepare the groundwork? <laughs> that is like a, a, a two or three hour answer, but I'll I know, I know that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll condense into at least a few thoughts as to how you might uh, perform. First thing is, is to, you know, the more information, the better as an attorney, usually if you come in prepared and that can be everything from, you know, a patent is for, uh, is for a, you know, a, uh, something that has utility, a functionality, it does something. So if it's a patent and you're looking at, Hey, I'm creating an invention or a widget or something else, do your homework and, you know, get some of your documentation together. What is my invention? How does it work? What have others done? Kind of what is, you know, what am I, what is unique about mine? What am I trying to solve? And I wouldn't do an extensive amount of research, but take five or 10 minutes and actually just Google it online, you know, and do a Google search because it's shocking how many times I'll have people come in my office or there's a client will have a meeting and they'll be like, I've got this great invention. It's going to change the world. And I'm like, oh, and they explain it to me. I'm like, you know, it seems like I've seen that, or it seems like that's probably already been done. And we'll spend five minutes and say, yep, looks like there's already it out there, you know, and, and then the conversation really gets is okay. If it's already out there, are you doing something different? Are you doing something unique, but you need to kind of know what's out there and do a bit of homework, but come in prepared. Same thing with a trademark or a brand. Hey, have you done and look and see, is anybody else using this brand is a url available because even if you get the brand and then you want the website you may not be able to get it and you do a, do a little bit of homework so most of that is just really as a general do a little bit of homework and then gather as much information as you have and then go and talk with the attorney and they're going to give you some guidance because every situation is different if it's an invention that you're needing you know help on they're going to walk you through hey it looks like you're too early on you know i haven't developed it far enough or hey you're behind the eight ball let's hurry and get you caught up or whatever that is and same thing with um you know trademark they're going to say hey it looks like we can help you out and this is what i suggest so as a general rule, get as do your bit of homework, spend a few minutes so you're not just going in and not having done any homework. And then second, gather as much of the information is. Last thing I would do is also kind of, you know, going into saying, hey, I've got a business, what what kind of intellectual property is probably going to be a very broad question. Isn't going to, they'll give you a good answer. And I've, I've had those conversations and we still help you out. But what's the most productive is look and see what is the core of your business. Are you a product business? And hey, a patent is really going to be important to you because you want to protect a new, whether it's software hardware and you know electronics or anything else but look and say okay this is really the core of our business this is where we want to focus on versus hey are we a brand business and you know brand and we really what we do really well is we 
are great at customer service and we market better and reach people and we have a better story to tell. And yeah, our product's about the same as what's out there, but our brand is awesome. Or it's, hey, we came up with the world in the next best book and it's going to be the next Harry Potter or Tom Clancy or whatever it is. And we want to make sure we protect that because we're going to write a really great book or we've already written it. So kind of whatever it is. So takeaway is one, do your homework. Two is to um, come, come and prepared. And then three, kind of give us some thought as to what is the core of your business or what do you really want to protect or what's important to you. If you go into a an attorney with those three, you're going to be above most of the people that walk in their door and it's going to make for the most productive conversation and also give you kind of the best direction or guidance as to where to go. Awesome. Good advice. I appreciate it. So awesome. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. If you or any of the listeners ever have any other questions, as I've already mentioned before, go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help and answer questions and make sure to get you taken care of. Otherwise, thank you again, Vance, for coming on the podcast. Fun. It's been a pleasure and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Great. Thank you very much, Devin. Really enjoyed our talk today. <laughs>